This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Good morning. Welcome to another Media Week Podcast. I'm Crudy Joshi. I'm the digital editor at Media Week. I've got with me the editor at Media Week, who is James Manning, and Dan Barrett, the deputy editor. Hello. Hello. Good morning, Crudy. Good to be with you. Thank you. Same here. So the big talk of this week, 60 Minutes crew let out of the Lebanon jail. Yep. Great outcome for nine. Um, You know, just what they would have been hoping for. Lots of, you know, expectations that these people could go to trial. uh, The charges could be brought against them. They could do up to 20 years in jail, you know. Um, I don't think a lot of people probably thought that was pretty unlikely. Um, and certainly in hindsight, it seems like it might have been very unlikely. But, yeah, it was a good outcome for Nine to see them back here in Sydney. Probably always the danger of a government wanting to set some sort of precedent and actually make sure that other news teams don't try similar sort of stunts. So there's always, I guess, that sort of concern. But I don't think that was really an issue here. And yeah. uh, rumoured to pay about $3 million for the bail? Well, there's lots of confusion over this. So they, you know, the, the father's been on Kyle and Jackie O.N., the project saying he didn't get any money. There's court documents saying he did get money. There's stories here that 69 uh, paid lots of money. So, look, we'll eventually get to the truth in the end, you know, and it doesn't matter. I don't know how much it matters, you know. They paid, they didn't pay. And there's also... It probably depends on who you're speaking to. I'm sure the person who receives some money probably matters to them. But... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just mean in the big scheme of things, you know... Um, media have been paying for stories for for decades and forever you know and it's not going to stop and is it a bad thing well we probably all think it'd be great if it didn't happen but it's it does happen it's um so now there's going to be an inquiry which is going to be headed by the founding ep of 60 minutes yep gerald stone yep and uh, david hurley who was a a former executive producer of the current affair and also with one of uh, Nine's legal team, I think. So they're going to delve into it. A lot of criticism, probably understandable that these people are too close to Nine that maybe should be, you know, a third party, if you like, involved. Um, I I can understand that, but I think those two will do a pretty good job, or those three will do a good job. Is there really the need for a third party? I appreciate the idea of media, there should be some sort of level of oversight. But from Channel 9's perspective, like, no one's really sort of going to be at fault. It's going to be an internal decision whether or not people should lose a job over it or be reprimanded in some way. So why not handle it internally? Like, I don't well, really course, see an ethical yeah. issue. So no, it's not. I mean, there's no, there's no injustice being done to the wider community that needs exactly. to be investigated. No one's really been hurt. I mean, you could argue the kids have been a little bit, um, yeah. you know, rattled perhaps, but... But otherwise, yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, I think an internal thing's fine. And also because it doesn't affect our justice system either. So it'd be one thing if it happened in Australia because then there's a legal issue here. But because it's overseas, I don't think it's such an issue. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I read on Twitter that the 60 Minutes crew or someone from Channel 9 was actually following the team when they were coming back. So I suspect that that might air this Sunday. Oh, yeah, I think they'll get something pretty to air pretty quickly and I wouldn't be surprised if it ran for a couple of weeks. I mean, at least they can salvage something from this whole botched operation. They probably have to be very careful with the tone and the tenor of the story because there's obviously a bit of animosity in the community about what they've actually sort of engaged in here. So I don't think they can present them as heroes coming back, but I think if they do do it in a fairly sort of straightforward manner, it probably will play pretty well. Yeah, well, I just don't, you know... Look, a few people on social media might be a bit upset, but I just think the wider community, you know, they see it's interesting. Of course, they're interested in someone's been in jail. Wow, you know, but do they, I don't know if they feel anger or, you know, 
resentment or whatever it, you'd call it. In fairness, I did spend too long reading the comments on a story about it in the Australian, so that is a very skewed readership. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I spent a lot of time reading comments on Twitter and Twitter inputs onto the whole thing and people are still divided. Moving on, Fairfax stop work meeting happening today. So um, MEAA talked to Fairfax. They said that they're going to save about 20 jobs. So 100 jobs are still going. So what kind of impact will this have? Um, well, I don't know. It's just part of the ongoing drama at Fairfax, isn't it? It's been going for a while. It looks like it's not about to end um, soon. The MEAA thought, look, they, I think they said they calculated something like $6 million every year goes to Fairfax senior management and the board. So the board get paid a reasonable amount of money for their handful of meetings every year. They suggested, look, they trim the board a little bit and maybe freeze or cut some of the executive salaries. Apparently Fairfax said, no, we're not going to do that. Um, and they've given, I think, the staff 12 or 14 days to put their hands up for voluntary redundancy or else they're going to have to start, you know, sacking people, I guess. And, yeah, they'll... they'll decide today whether they think they'll take more strike action or not. The Sydney Morning Herald this week turned 185 week-long celebrations. Obviously, there was a big thing on Monday with the 16-page wrap and I guess a little sort of a party in the canteen. But then they also had live events with um, which the new editor, Judith Whalen, was hosting all this week. Um, so they've done quite a lot for that and um, are speaking to her about you know the job cuts, the celebration. And she described it as a transitional period. So in order to keep up with, um, you know, the demands of the audience um, and if it means Fairfax, I quote her, has to dance quickly, it will. Yeah, so you got in there, didn't you, Crudy? You were in there... um Almost during the celebrations, you sat down with the, the, the new editor? Yes, exactly this time last week I was in there and so she did not hold back, which was quite nice and refreshing to see and she answered every question that I threw at her, which was nice. Yeah, and you can read that in the uh, current magazine. You can. There's also a podcast up of your your interview. It's been attracting some social media commentary internationally, I noticed, Crudy, so good job. Oh, going across, I'm going international, <laughs> James, watch out. Also, Game of Thrones, uh, which is coming out next week. It's premiering on uh, 25th of April, Dan. So Foxtel has a new pricing and is this really worth it? Can you run us through that a bit? Uh, yeah, so from Monday, uh, show, uh, showcase, sorry, are going to be doing Game of Thrones. So it's going to be live with the US, so it's a simulcast. So this is Foxtel doing the right thing here. Uh, I think they're doing that internationally across a few territories as well, so that's kind of cool. The thing is, uh, lots of people, I mean, this is, I guess the thing with Game of Thrones, which is that any time that a new season launches, it becomes this complete magnet for people to discuss one of two things. One, piracy and uh, the availability of the show, and two, Foxtel's pricing. Now, Foxtel for the last, I think, three years have done a Game of Thrones special for Foxtel Play. Foxtel Play is their IPTV service, so streamed online, you can pay, it's contract-free. So the way they structure it is $25 is your entry-level package in, and you can get access then to one of four different tiers of content. So it's not like when you get the normal cable and you get all the sort of base channels, but rather it's sort of selections of entertainment or drama or there's a few other things. So you can choose from one of four of those, but as part of their Game of Thrones deal, you can also add on a supplementary pack, which is the uh, movies and premium drama pack, and that'll just be $5. So for $30 a month, you'll be able to access a base level of Foxtel, as well as all the movies, which includes Showcase, which has Game of Thrones. 
So that's a really great way for Foxtel to be able to uh, really sort of go to the community and say, no, no, Foxtel's not that expensive if you want to watch Game of Thrones. So that's very good from a PR level. From a business level, though, it's actually a really good way to get potential customers into the service so they can start watching, you know, Foxtel product and hopefully get hooked on it and stick around beyond that initial three-month Game of Thrones period. So you said um, earlier when we were talking about it, you said it would be about $30. So is this a good deal? How much would this usually cost? Look, I mean, this is really the conjecture of talking to people about this. If they are thinking about the way they were accessing Game of Thrones in the past, lots of people were buying it on iTunes and just... Uh, iTunes would have it at usually about 3am in the morning the next day and they're looking at it saying oh if I just want Game of Thrones and I used to be able to buy it on iTunes for $3 an episode that's only $30 all up as opposed to $90 over three months to be able to access it so if you're looking at it from that standpoint it's probably not the best deal but if you're getting a Foxtel service you're getting a whole bunch of other channels there's additional content if you're only getting it for Game of Thrones it's probably a bit of a raw deal like if that's the only thing you're watching but chances are you'll probably watch a few other movies along the way you'll watch some other TV so as far as a TV package goes I think it's actually not too bad a deal at all is the Foxtel experience via that broadband connection much different to okay if you've got the here's the other bit of conjecture (laughs) if you ask me I don't think it's good enough the problem with it is is that it's still a very sort of um, standard definition it's very similar to the streaming on ABC iview okay which is fine but it's not really quite good enough when you're paying $30 a month for it when you look at the various SVOD services like um, Stan or Netflix you're getting high-def video and I mean with Netflix sometimes you can up that to 4k video for less each month like really Foxtel Play should be a much better quality experience also you don't necessarily have the PVR capabilities that you have with the cable experience and while some might say that you get lots of on-demand content Game of Thrones and a mate of mine went through it last year anytime he wanted to watch Game of Thrones just a few hours after broadcast still wasn't there sometimes it was the next day where the show was appearing so that's some of the downsides with Foxtel Play Worth noting as well, though, Foxtel are looking at launching a new digital product soon. So these complaints about Foxtel Play might be rendered a bit moot in the coming months. So we'll see how that plays out. But in the short-term future, do you reckon they're upping their game in terms of uploading all these episodes? Oh, look, I mean, we'll see. The proof will be in the complaints that I hear from mates or the lack of complaints. So that'd be nice. Uh, The other thing, just Game of Thrones related, uh, HBO, as of this morning, have announced that it is coming back for a seventh season. I'm not sure anyone's really surprised by that. Uh, so we do know it's coming back. We also know that Silicon Valley and Veep, uh, they're two premium sort of comedies at the moment, they will be returning as well. Game of Thrones, though, the one thing they didn't mention was the episode count. Mm-hmm. So there was an interview earlier this week from David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, who are the showrunners of the program, and they said that they want to see the run of the season drop from 10 episodes a season, which it's been historically till now, to six episodes for season seven and seven episodes for season eight. So obviously there'd be a lot less Game of Thrones coming. The reason being that they think the production of it takes so much time and so much energy, they actually have trouble now meeting the deadlines to be able to produce 10. So just ease the production schedule. And I was looking at that thinking, I could see that making sense from a HBO um, production standpoint, because one, they can produce those episodes in time. But if they said, because they want to be able to extend the length of this show as long as possible, and it's not so much about building the number of episodes as possible, but like the time duration, because you've got people signing up to HBO now, which is their on-demand streaming service, Mm. people may stick around for 12 months and not cancel it because they know there's more Game of Thrones coming. So if they say we're doing a season seven and season eight with a shorter episode run, and then say that's concluded off, they're producing a Game of Thrones movie 
or something along that sort of lines, I think that would probably be enough to really negate any uh, negativity coming towards the shorter episode count, plus keep subscribers in there to the end and give the show an explosive finale. It wouldn't be surprising to see a Game of Thrones movie. That wouldn't be theatrical, but it's something certainly for HBO with a bit of a big budget. I can mm. see that happening. Negativity. People are so mean, aren't they? I mean, haven't they already <laughs> got enough? What have we got so far? 51-hour episodes, which is the equivalent of 25 motion pictures. And, and they're really... It's a, look, at, I don't know how they manage 10 episodes a year. Imagine the, the planning and the, the team that must need to work to put together that sort of quality. 10 hours, so that's the equivalent of five motion pictures every year they're making oh yeah you know and also this is a production that's across multiple continents as well this isn't just happening in the same studio lot this is all over the world so imagine bringing all that footage into one editing room and just making it flow that would be somewhat of a an amazing achievement yeah Yeah. i mean the editing is not really the issue it's just making sure that Mm. because obviously you've got the one director of whom is working across continents like it's a logistical nightmare I was talking to Alfie Allen, one of the stars of the show. Stop name dropping. Oh, you know, just you know, <laughs> standard week in the you know, life of Dan Barrett here. Oh. But yeah, I was talking to Alfie Allen, and you can listen to that as a podcast. It's a nice, brief little 15-minute thing we've got available. Uh, but I asked him just regarding the production, because the way that show's segmented, you've got different characters who are interacting, but there's some cast members that he hasn't been seen on screen with for years at this point. So really just discussing sort of what's it like when you come across one of these cast members you haven't seen since season one of the program and just how that actually sort of engages. Anyway, he's very charming and funny, and I think people get a kick out of that interview. Yeah. Oh, Some imagine. great questions you are fired at him too, Dan. I think people will enjoy that. Um, yeah. I won't uh, talk about them, so it might be... Uh, plot spoilers for people um, who are you're, um, binging before the new season yeah. stuff. Got a little bit dirty at the end, but <laughs> that, that part didn't make it into the magazine, James, but the podcast yeah. listeners can you know, okay. experience that. So you can catch that interview in the Media Week magazine at this week and um, also the podcast online at mediaweek.com.au forward slash podcasts. Indeed. So also, um, sticking to Foxtel, they're, they're also, they've also reduced um, marketing for their IQ3 box. Now, was this in answer to all the criticism that it got? Uh, this is it. So there was an article in the AFR earlier this week, well, across the Fairfax papers, and it was really just saying that instead of the IQ3 being put front and centre as their main technology drive, the IQ2 is suddenly make its way back into the uh, limelight. And yeah, I mean, it really does come from the lack of, I guess, consumer support behind the IQ3 as it's gone out. When you talk about the IQ3, the first response you get from a lot of people is, you know, regarding the quality of it. From what I understand, having talked to some of the tech guys at Foxtel, they have ironed out a lot of those problems, but I think they've maybe just got a branding issue surrounding it. So I haven't used it myself. I can't really quite sort of say one way or another. But yeah, it definitely seems like it's got a branding issue. And so as I guess they're trying to push Foxtel as a technology provider as well as a TV content, like it becomes problematic for them if they've got something up front that doesn't quite work. So this is a question to both of you. Now, do you think that they'll make it, they'll be making some adjustments to that box and then releasing it again as something else maybe? I'd see an IQ4, but with a different brand name would be my Yeah, I'm a bit disappointed. I never got an IQ3 because people just said, look, it's not worth getting. It's, yeah. it's buggy. It doesn't work properly. Plus you're paying some, more for it as well. Yeah, well, it had some yeah. great features though, you know. It was, oh, yeah. It, was, it, was, it really made the experience better A, when it worked, but... I don't know. I just think in the future, we just there's going to be an app. There'll be a Foxtel app, you know. And well, this is largely. I don't what know we're how close we are to that. Maybe yeah. you might be right. There might be one big, you know, more hardware release. But I think in the future, there'll just be a 
be an app and that's how you get all your, your content. You won't need any box in the room. Yeah, which makes sense for Foxtel because they're rolling out broadband as well. And they've had that running for a while. Apparently, they were negotiating with Telstra, though, about the deal they're getting there. Because the Foxtel broadband is a bit more expensive than in other places. Makes sense if you're bundling with your Foxtel. But for people who are considering sort of jumping ship, I don't, it's not really that enticing. Hmm, but there'd be no unboxings, though. That'd be a bit sad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. So this morning, Nine announced the premiere date for The Voice, which is the same day as MasterChef, which was earlier announced earlier this week. Um, also, My Kitchen Rules and uh, winding up on April 26th. So a whole lot of new programs coming. What do you guys have to say about that, James? Oh, it's great news. It's, um, it's really a challenge every day to find <laughs> To, to write a new headline about uh, My Kitchen Reels and how well it's done and, you know, and Seven winning. And it'd be great for... It's a bit more game on, you know. Ten's figures are going to lift. Uh, MasterChef is their really big piece of key programming every year. Nine will certainly come back into contention with The Voice. That I think the first week it's uh, over three nights, uh, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday. So, it's, yeah, the ratings will be a little bit closer and there'll be some real competition to write about after... Uh, my Kitchen Reels has done such a good job of dominating. So Seven is also coming out with House Rules. So how do you guys think that will fare in terms of ratings? Well, I mean, Seven can't really lose at the moment. They're really just sort of building platform. Well, it's a very strength. dangerous comment. That well, I'm just saying, saying like... That will come back to haunt <laughs> This time will. next week, we might be yeah. saying... Well, but I was just thinking, from Channel 10's perspective, if they can completely just dominate with MasterChef, if that comes through and they have a very good year with it, like the first couple of nights, like that'd be ecstatic at 10. They've just come off, you know, uh, revised sort of profits. They had a very good announcement yesterday in terms of their first half year results. So if they can have a great TV success off the back of that... Like, you know, I can imagine there's some very happy people I'm over not there. sure it'll dominate, but, but yeah. it will certainly get them back back mm. into the, the mainstream. Well, I, I mean, th- the, the challenge is maybe what Nine's going to do with The Voice because they've had some struggles in the last few months. And with TV schedules, obviously, it builds and builds. So you can launch a new TV show, but unless it's had that promotion beforehand, sometimes the audience don't quite take to it. So, I mean, Nine could maybe find some challenges there because they've been a bit diminished this first quarter. Ronan Keating's joining this season. Could he be the pulling factor? <laughs> James Ronan 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 <laughs> Ronan sorry it could, yeah and I also we didn't answer your question about um, house rules I think house rules will do well for seven I think it'll, it'll be good but it, it won't be as dominant as uh, my kitchen rules obviously uh, some people have claimed across the table <laughs> <laughs> also this year it's not going up against the block so I guess that's somewhat better yeah well, and plus the block hasn't been on so if you really love your real estate programming this is your first big um free to wear crack at it this year i guess mm. Mm. and also share prices dropped for uh netflix this week i was surprised to hear this on the radio the other morning um but you hear all this chatter about its success in all the different markets um i was what a little radio surprised. station were you listening to was reporting uh, on was abc news price. radio <laughs> abc news radio is reporting on the netflix share price well it has a little it's segment very detailed on, isn't it well yeah uh, i mean <laughs> it has netflix a little story dan it's people jump all over it they do uh, okay, well, just explaining what this is about. So, look, I'm not a finance guy. I don't really know what it's talking about with shorting a stock. But my understanding is uh, with the Netflix story, they announced for their second quarter results 
Obviously, they had the big rollout where from January they took their global audience to 190 countries. They have had a drop, though, in the number of people subscribing, or at least expected to subscribe. So it's not like people are cancelling their service, but instead of the 2.4 million additional subscribers they were expecting, they only got 2 million subscribers. So some analysts were a little bit concerned about the potential of their growth moving forward. But the thing is that in the next quarter, if they suddenly just meet expectation, which they probably will, like, you know, that stock price, it's, it's going to fluctuate a bit. The thing is, Netflix is still valued incredibly highly from a stock price point of view. So, you know, that, that's still, it's a valued stock. Yeah, it's still a very successful business. Yeah. and um, Yeah, it's not doom and gloom for Netflix because they got 0.4 million less than yeah, you expected. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's yeah. still a good story. And James, in this week's Media Week magazine, you talked to the Optus head of TV, mobile, video and content. Um, you talked to him about a lot of things, about the content strategy moving forward, as well as, you know, the big get, which is the Premier League. Could you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, Paul Rubicki, his name is. Um, he worked, uh, spent a few years working for Sky in the UK, spent, spent a brief time at Foxtel here. And the they're, they're doing doing some really interesting work on building they've got a a content deal with uh, cricket australia they take some of their content for mobile they generate some of their own cricket content and they've they've done first the uh, premier league deal they've they've done so they're going to be the home of the premier league from 2016 27 we all know about that he talked a little bit they're discussing now whether they're going to sort of localize some of that content they'll be getting from the uk the premier league puts out a lot of programming um there's people will be hosting shows. Uh, Optus is debating whether they'll have their own local hosts in Australia, I think, or they'll just take a feed direct from the UK. I think they'll probably just take a feed direct from the UK, maybe just have one face of soccer here, you know, um, or football, whatever you want to call it. And, they're, you know, you talked a little bit about what they're going to do in the future. You know, I, I was having a... I'll, to be honest, I was having a little bit of trouble coming to grips with the, what they were talking about because I'm thinking in old media terms, does that mean they're going to commission TV shows and all that? But no, they're just thinking in the new world of the way people, there's on-demand content and entertainment. and Yeah, it's more about acquisition for them rather than... Yeah, yeah, yeah they're not really going to turn into a broadcast platform, I don't think, but, mm. but they're just going to provide lots of ways for their customers and people who... So you'll have to be an Optus customer to see all this content... And when you come, you know, when you make that decision, will I renew my contract with Optus? You know, will I get lured away by Telstra or some other telco? You'll decide to stay with Optus because the bonus is you're getting all this content with them as well. Yeah, I do sort of wonder how this aligns with Fetch TV because there's obviously a close partnership there. Where Fetch TV, the more that Optus are playing around with mobile content delivery, the more it seems to relegate Fetch TV as just being that single hardware play. So it really sort of limits the scope for Fetch TV to start really investing heavily in mobile delivery of their content because suddenly they're then competing against Optus who are a much stronger player and they can't really have those competing products. So, But it does lock in customers mm. for Fetch TV though, doesn't oh, it? Oh, it does. I mean, it's great for that initial growth, but it's like once you've got that growth, where do they go from there? As- yeah, well, for, yeah. Optus will keep growing though. I mean, they'll get more customers. They'll get a swag of customers for people who want to watch the Premier League. Oh, they will, but I'm, I'm just thinking for Fetch, want to watch it on Fetch. For Fetch, which is a separate company, though. Yeah. Like, I'm just saying that eventually they reach a point where they want to start expanding into this new digital world and really embrace that to its fullest potential. And because Optus have their own products in place, it's a bit of a wall that they then have to... Can they use? Can Optus use Fetch TV's agreements and um, you know all the programming deals that they've got in place and utilize Fetch TV that way? And that way, Fetch TV can also grow as a company. Oh, I wouldn't imagine so. It's a 
separate thing. You can easily negotiate those deals. They're not complicated. Yeah, but it helps Fetch, though, when they're doing content deals, I guess, to have that partnership with Optus. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just talking about future growth. It's not about you know weather mm. right now. Uh, was there any indication in terms of pricing? No, I, I, I think it'll be just... It's expected you're just going to have to have a fop, op, a um, Optus. <laughs> you'll have to be an Optus customer, either yeah. broadband or mobile, and then you'll get it for, I think, no extra. Yeah. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah. And I don't think there'll be any way to subscribe to it without being a customer. So there sort of won't be a pricing, will there? Yeah, that's the indication I'm getting, but I haven't really officially said yet. No, they haven't, yeah. haven't revealed that 100%. Uh, yeah. Also, just because I'm obsessed with Foxtel's digital <laughs> futures at the moment, and we were talking about this on the podcast last week, I think, where we were saying about Foxtel embracing a very similar strategy to the Sky Now TV. Now, uh, Paul Rubicki, he's a former Sky TV yep. guy. Did he have any insights in regards to, I guess, what he sort of learnt from sports on Sky TV and what he's applying here on Opsis? Yeah, he just, you know, he said, you know, sports been very critical to um, to Sky, and of course, and he more than that, it's just he said the word exclusivity. You know, what, whatever it is. In this case, it was sport, and at the moment for Optus, it's sport, but exclusivity is the real key. And he comes from an interesting background. He was working in sort of analytics, you know, analysing customers' wants, you know, what you could researching the the customers, the potential audience, may people who aren't subscribing to find out why not, but. Um, Sports been massive for them, uh, particularly the the Premier League in in the UK. But it's interesting now Sky share those uh, Premier League rights with BT, which is uh, used to be British Telecom. Yeah. So you know there's a there's a track there's a track record there for what uh, sport is now doing for BT. They they broadcast a lot of the Premier League. They have their own studio setups, their own hosts to host a lot of that broadcast. And of course Optus' parent company Singtel have the Premier League rights for Singapore as well. Possibly some other territories, I'm not sure, but so there's there's a bit of company. So they would be so. working quite closely with Singtel in order to see how they can carry this package and. For sure, yeah, they'll be taking the learnings from that as well as looking at what happens elsewhere. Yeah, yep. it's interesting when we think about the fundamental lures that bring a customer to digital delivery of what's been traditional content and it's still a lot of the traditional ideas so it's exclusivity over things like sport which is still the main thing bringing people in. I mean, we're both Optus broadband subscribers, I think, yeah. aren't we? Or all three of us, actually. Yep, except I get ADSL and the speed is horrendous. <laughs> now, the I think, Dan, I content didn't lure me, just the the uncapped offer mm. was and the speed was, was my lure. Did the content influence you a bit? Look, I mean, Fetch was an appealing idea, but that wasn't really what got me over the line. But I was certainly happy to have it It's nice to, to have, it isn't it? It's but nice to have. I don't watch it that often, but I get enough out of it for me to be happy. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So that full interview with Paul Rubicki is in the magazine, which will be on your desks either later this later today or on Monday. Um, moving on, we haven't talked about radio at all, but it's been a fairly big in week in radio with um, the results for Survey 2 out earlier this week. So what were the key takeaways from that, James? Uh, well, sort of good news for all the major broadcasters in different areas, you know. Um, Nova had a, a ripping um, result in Adelaide, um, Brisbane and Perth, um, Southern Cross Stereo's hit network had a had a pretty good result in most markets except Sydney. Triple M Network did really well in Adelaide, where they're equal number one FM, which is their best result, something like eleven years or something, some really long time. They haven't been there for a long time. Their male audiences are still really strong in other markets too. Um, Triple M still number one breakfast in Melbourne. Who haven't I mentioned? Australian Radio Network. 
uh, great survey in Brisbane where they won every survey last year. They've also got number one and two again back in Sydney. Bit of growth in well, their number one FM in Melbourne, bit of growth in both of their breakfast shows in Melbourne, which are both new programs. And Macquarie Radio, you know, or Macquarie Media as they've rebranded recently, are still number one overall in Sydney and Melbourne. 6BR took a bit of a hit in Perth. Um, bit of growth at 4BC in Brisbane, you know, it's still certainly not where they'd like it, but the business model is they've developed up there of, of a lower cost. Um, it's probably, you know, starting to work for them maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty bare bones. They've really just got the one show coming out of there. But I mean, it seems to be working for them. Like, yeah. low cost. I mean, the ratings aren't huge, but it's enough to justify it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. You talk to network executives and, uh, you know, the seniors there. And Gemma Fordham, who's the head of content for Hitman Network, she said that they're skewing more towards an older audience. Am well, I right? Well, I asked her about that and she sort of denied that. But then she explained it by saying, Rove perhaps tracks, attracts a little bit of an older audience, their, their breakfast host, co-host, and Sam Frost, the other breakfast co-host, attracts the younger audience, so they figure it's pulling, they want to keep the, the appeal of the program broad. A little sort of statistic that came out of it, they said, look, we're outrating Nova now in the workday, which is the morning and afternoon uh, time slots, and so as they said, you know, so that's, you know, a bit of good news for them. It's not a big deal because Nova's not doing very well in those time slots. But hey, it's a it's a start, and they they think they think they're on the road. You know, they still say, "Look, we're playing the long game. We're going to persevere with Rove and Sam." And um, so Rove and Sam, they like in terms of the whole market, not really big move, but they still well, no, improved. Didn't move at all. But actually. they still improved in their listenership, didn't they? Well, no, their share I don't think went up. Wasn't it still three percent? Um, but I think maybe their QM audience might have grown a little bit. Um, I think the station overall, I, don't know, I haven't got the stats here in front of me, so I have, let's, let's not guess about this. Let's actually get it uh, completely right. Yeah, look, the station overall went up from 3.3 to 4, so that, that's a good move. In breakfast, though, it was steady on 3.0, so you know, no move in their breakfast share there. But, but yeah, significant growth in the day parts. And they still, I talked to... Um, talked to Craig Bruce this week on one of our other podca- our podcasts. It's a really interesting um, podcast and it is revealing where he talks about Radio Star's salaries, which is pretty good, so you want to listen to that. But he talked a little bit about um, the old hits and old school. He said that music formula, format really engages the viewers and they know that because of the, the online streams they get. You know, they, just, they were massive. So that's how they monitor that and that, that's why they keep that going. Yeah, now, Lots. Th- sorry, there is a moment during that interview with Craig Bruce where Craig raises the issue of whether Sydney is a big enough market to be able to stand uh, five top 40 music stations. Um, what were your thoughts on that? Um, so, I, mean, the, I think it is a big enough it, it was sort of framed around the idea that today maybe could sort of shift their format slightly to be able to take advantage of Rove and sort of move forward mm. that way. So, I mean, do you In think those five, he was including um, Triple J, wasn't he? So that was Today, Kiss, Nova, Triple J. WSFM? Sure. Yeah, that's not No, that's really more older. Demo. No. It's adult contemporary. But anyway, the, um, he talks about those stations. And, yeah, I, I think the market probably is big enough. You know, yeah. it's, it's still a relatively very small radio market in, in Australia, you know, as opposed to almost any other market, you know. 
more many other markets around the world. All right, guys, uh, we've got to wrap up. So one more news coming out of radio this week was the EP of Roven Sam. He's been replaced. So what's the goss there, James? Um, well, I'm not sure there's any real goss. He's just moved on. Um, he's doing something else at the station these days. So less than six months and he's gone. These things happen. I mean, it's obviously because if the show had been rating really well, um, I think he'd probably still be there, but um, he's not. And they've just got to keep trying things, you know. They'll try things. I don't think they're going to change the announcers yet, but they've got in yeah. guest hosts and stuff yeah. like that. They're going to change the... If they see potential, they can just sort of play with the mix a little bit more and sometimes just a different voice is needed in there. Yeah. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. To move on now, what are your highlights? Dan, let's start with you. One highlight from this week. Oh, look, I mean, super quickly, and this is maybe Game of Thrones related again. Um, I was fascinated by a US journalist who put in a Freedom of Information Act into the White House in order to get access to the Game of Thrones screeners that Obama receives. Really great novelty story that caught a lot of people's attentions. Doesn't quite work though because Obama's government pushed through some legislation last year which stops administration staff in the White House from being open to FRYs. But it's a fun story and certainly had people giggling for a few days there. Wow. Uh, James, what's your highlight from this week? My highlight merges with a low light. I mean, waking up to lots of prints on the radio is obviously a wonderful <laughs> thing. Oh, yeah. But because of the poor guy's dead you know it's wow you know you'd rather not hear any of it but um it was it was an exciting day to have you know prince just on most stations were playing prince songs and he's on tv and except and this is my big bugbear with mtv okay which is i flipped on mtv expecting to see some prince music this Mm. morning wasn't there yeah, yeah, they should have been running non-stop, yeah. shouldn't they? They should have. Back in the day, they would and Because they had this issue with David Bowie back in the day. And I was talking to Simon Bates at Viacom about this, and he said that, uh, well, that's certainly a fair enough criticism. The problem there is that David Bowie hasn't really got that many music videos compared to some of the other sort of stars he'd expect, because he's just slightly pre-music video. But Prince, like, his entire career is built off MTV in those early 80s, so... You know, there's really no reason why we can't see a whole lot of prints on MTV. Um, well, my highlight from this week was now knowing when MasterChef is coming on, that's a family favourite, so I will be tuning into that because that also means the Bachelor date is close as well. Uh, sorry, can I just have a quick follow-up question? <laughs> on the podcast last week, you said you are going to watch uh, You're Back in the Room, the Daryl Summers hypnotism program. You said you'd be watching it on 9now.com.au. Cruzy, did you watch the program? Dan, sometimes I hate you so much. Oh, we're out of time. What a pity. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Uh, thank you for listening to Media Week podcast. If you want to check out more, please head to mediaweek.com.au. Thanks, guys.